This is Britain, and everything's all right. Everything's all right. It's okay. It's fine. So long and thanks for all the fish. Welcome to episode 96 of the Wizards of Drivel podcast. My name is David Cowlishaw and I'm joined by Chris Brammer. Good evening, Dave. How are you? I think you know how I am, Chris. <laughs> I'm also joined by Tom Thrower. Hi, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, how how are we really feeling this fine Sunday evening? I mean, the we- the weather's been lovely. Sun's shining, bank holiday as well. Yeah, man. I've I've sat and watched Moana this afternoon. It's been great fun. I've had oh, a lovely a time. I know it's very good. Um, it's do you know what? It's a weird sense of like yesterday. I was in a really foul mood, but it's almost like I'm glad that we've we've it's over with now. I'm glad it, it's almost like relief that we've. I'm I'm glad that we don't have to go through the emotion of hoping next weekend which is yeah ridiculous to say yeah I'm, I'm i'm glad it's out the way and we don't have any false hope to cling to bizarrely at the game yesterday when the goal went in i was like just <laughs> kind of zen and wasn't angry or upset or anything but when i woke up this morning perhaps due also to the hangover i was more annoyed than i was <laughs> I was like oh for god's sake when you think it was you know, ten years and a day since we last got oh. promoted, and oh, then man. yeah, Poetic we lost narrative. We it was exactly that, and you know, it was just f- fucking classic Stoke, wasn't it? It was everything wrong in every everything wrong in one game about this season. I mean, God, like did, Tom when Shakiri stuck that free kick in. Were you daring to dream at that point? I actually nearly passed out when Shakiri scored because I'm a little bit under the weather and um, it just sort of, everything was a bit loud and I was very excited. Um, so yeah, no, I was, I was very much daring to dream. I was thinking, bloody hell, okay, Shakiri saving us, that's nice. But actually, come half time, that sort of dream had faded. I didn't trust us at all to hold on to a lead or even hold on to a draw. Like you said, it is just stoking it. This is this season. This has been a sort of past 18 months. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit crap. And you couldn't trust us to hold on to the lead because, you know, we're pretty terrible. And was it one shot on target all game and that was the goal? Yikes. I mean... There you go. That, that's it, everyone. Um, I don't know what else there is to say about like our reaction to it because it's been coming for so long that it's kind of just acknowledging it's happened now and it's not like it's come out of nowhere and we've been sucked into it late in the season and been, you know, gone down on the final day or anything. 
it's just the the final nail in the coffin, I guess. Uh, Chris, what was your uh, immediate reaction at full time? Um, I was I was quite. I wasn't in floods of tears or anything. Um, although, do you know what? If I saw a lot of hate for people crying, and it's it's sad. Um, I thought it was quite emotive the scenes of Butland and Shakiri and that, and it just made me kind of more reflective on what has been a a really a fun ten years for for most parts. Um, I I just I, I was so frustrated with the game itself because it had been just yeah such a typical performance where um we we offered offered very little and whilst we showed we are industrious at times it's i don't get this argument where it's like oh we paul lambert just needs a striker he doesn't he needs to be better at tactics um but i, I, I just felt resigned really to it i didn't feel um really mad or anything because we knew it was coming and it just it just gave me a heavy heart is what it did just made me sad that it had finally happened and i didn't really know what to do with myself for the rest of the day so i tortured myself by watching match of the day why did oh, i do dear. that Ooh. why did i watch it and martin keown's on it talking like silliness um uh, at least at least the impression I get from you know seeing the reaction of other teams' fans is that we'll be sorely missed by the rest of the Premier League. There's been a lot of sadness <laughs> on our behalf. I think we were a popular club. Uh, I think we're, in many ways we're a lot of people's second team, really. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it's a shame. It's a shame for them that they're losing us. Uh, I mean, will, will you miss the Premier League, Tom? Will you miss? Uh, you know, all those lovely Arsenal fans and things like that? Um, no, I, I really won't miss people like the Burnley fans who sang one Arsene Wenger for Wenger today. Oh, just, weird. The Premier League's weird. just become a, a bit pathetic and crap, actually. Um, I, I think I'll probably miss the good footballers who play for Stoke, like Shakiri, but I don't know, maybe we might enjoy football a bit more next season. Or we could do a Sunderland. That'd be fun. I was going to say it's all well and good as saying that. No, it's going to we'll we'll enjoy football next year. But you know when we lose on a Tuesday night away to um, who's who's Bolton or something, like we're going to be cursing. Oh, I I kind of miss the Premier League a little bit now. Um, no, you're right, Tom. You are completely right. So it's a welcome back to the podcast for Anthony Bunn from Duck Magazine. How are you coping today, Bunny? I'm all right, mate. Uh, I'm I'm red raw from uh, not 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 from relegation, from uh, standing in a field in Lincolnshire without any sun protection on yesterday. I literally, I got I got. I know your listeners don't want to hear about my shower habits, but you know when you have to turn the shower on, so it's not freezing, but it just oh mate, I just felt like my pin my my, pin, my, my skin was peeling off. <laughs> I'm, I'm just red raw at the minute. I'm like the ready Brett kid, so uh, I'm I've. I've, I've the whole season's been kind of... I've been chilled all season, to be honest, until the last 24 hours. And I was driving back last night. I got really angry. Um, and uh, I think mean, you could tell by my tweets today. I'm, you know, you know, I watch the Cardiff game and you see what's going on there. And uh, 
and whatever, you know, other bits and bobs. And, uh, yeah, because it was so, you know, everyone said it's so avoidable and we all saw it coming and yet the people who, who mattered didn't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were saying earlier how we've kind of all gone through the various stages of grief in our own different ways and some of us are some of us are angry some of us have gone past anger into you know acceptance and whatever but it's it we're pretty i've i found it interesting how like pretty much all the stoke fans for the most of the season have been you know at each other's throats disagreeing about hughes disagreeing about lambert but we're all kind of we're all kind of together in whatever stage of grief we are at the moment and uh we're kind of we're we're more united now than we have been at any other point in the season, really, which is a shame. But uh, there you go. I'm going to chip in and disagree with you there. I've actually the first it's the first time I've ever been on radio anything like that or podcast where I've actually made some notes. So you you should be honoured, lads. Be honest. Hold um, <laughs> <laughs> on, yeah, here we go. Bag of sugar, Purcell, two pork tarts. The other side. Yeah, the other side. No, I, I felt the support was united in January, where we all wanted Hughes out. The problem, I think, now, looking at... I, I think the last 24 hours has divided the support. I think there's a section now who are... You know, we need to go down the you know the new broom kind of scenario. And then there's some who, you know... Lambert deserves to bring his own his own men in. And uh, that kind of scenario. So I, I think we're actually a little bit... We're, we're maybe united in grief, but I think as how, how the club moves forward, I think we're pretty divided at the minute. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point, uh, Tom. Um, like, I, I, I'm getting the impression that like the Lambert in give Lambert the summer people are in a very very small minority, perhaps a perhaps a vocal one. But I mean, I think especially after yesterday, the majority is now look. We can't we can't trust this guy to rebuild this team. Look at his record. Look at the sheer tactical insanity of of that crouch sub in particular yeah i, I think um it, un, unless my twitter echo chamber is like totally perfected now i feel the same thing i don't feel there's sort of that much support for giving lambert another season and i think there's it, it just it's nonsensical to suggest that he's going to have an he needs to have another season because the the, the bounce straight back up is the easiest way to do it to come out of the championship the, the the longer and longer you stay there, the the more likely you are to get stuck in the championship. Um, so we've got this one massive opportunity where we should have, um, to, to use a cliche, a war chest uh, from the sales we make to just sort of throw the money at it and go for it. And I don't think you can do that with someone who's only won one game in 14. Yeah, I think you have to be careful with It's hard on social media because you, you know, you, you really don't know. Do you? I think you have, you go on you know you on Twitter, which is the the main form of social media we use. That you know it seems like a resounding you know a new broom is needed. But you know look at my my, my Twitter our Twitter followers consists of really sound stout lads like like Sir Jamo all the way to to porn stars. So. Um, <laughs> and everything in between and, you know and I don't know what Jamie gets up to in his spare time as well to be honest uh, <laughs> so if, uh, I mean I, I wasn't there yesterday but apparently at the end of the game there was a huge you know Paul Lambert's you know Barmy Army Vendemarty Army or whatever and that's the kind of thing that the powers that be will see they won't see the Twitter outrage. well they'll see the, they, they will see the Twitter outrage because I think you know they do see the Twitter outrage but they'll also see the 
you know, the crowd yesterday singing his name. Um, whether that's right or wrong, but that, that that might be used as a justification. So, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a tough one at the minute. Um, and you know, I've got my own personal views on it, uh, as everybody else has. It's, and when everyone says, "Oh, Duck says Lambert in or Lambert out," it's not. It's just me. Um, all his views. I've got mine. Our readership's got theirs. So, um, like I say, the next oof, crikey, it's going to hit home over the next two or three months. And the, fi- the next one's going to be the fixtures coming out. Then it's going to be the likes of Real away for the pre-season rather than you know, Venable Leipzig and um, <laughs> and then we're going to be you know we're in the nitty gritty. And you know the th- thing is that the championship you, you can't have a month off. You you can in the Premier League a little bit because you. The way the fixtures run, you can have runs of five, six games where you can make make a couple of wins up, and at the bottom that means a lot. If you've got any, any, you know, you need ninety points to get up from the championship nowadays. You know, you need in thirty wins. You see, have a poor August. You can't bed a team in in August. You got to hit the ground running. Yeah, um, Chris, like the bunny mentioned there about uh, the Paul Lambert chance at at full time. I mean, I think even the majority what I perceive to be the majority of Stoke fans who do want Paul Lambert to go are kind of accepting that he will probably be here next season because they see Coates' track record at sticking by managers, rightly or wrongly. They see him making all the right noises and that kind of thing. But if he was to go, what what is our plan then, Chris? Like, Is it just too simplistic to say, go and get Graham Potter? Because that's the that's the attractive option, or do we do we go for someone like Mick McCarthy? Do we do we even try and think outside of this, you know, British kind of championship manager box? <laughs> I think that um, Graham Potter is the most attractive, um, well, well, the attractive prospect maybe for for us in our Twitter um, Twitter echo chamber. I I think that he is. The, the the best option and I think it's very exciting to see what he could do um, given the job I'd be reluctant to say that Paul Lambert going is definitely a sign that Graham Potter's coming in because I mean look how it went last time we we, we changed manager it it was a saga that dragged on and dragged on and, and you literally just I don't think I can predict what the powers that be at the club would do anymore because what I thought made sense this season hasn't made a lot of sense in the in the long run. So, um, I mean, I, I I don't think he'll go. I think he's he's on for the next season. I think they'll they will give him the opportunity because I do think that there is a genuine feeling that well he's not had a chance to create his own team. We need to shift some of the the dead weight. We need to get rid of some of the players who have been a nuisance this season. We need to rebuild. And and I I sympathise completely with that point of view because I do think there is there is certainly elements of it we do need to get rid of some players who have been poisonous around the club. I don't think we're going down because Hesse wore a Batman hat though. It, it's a much more complex thing, and I don't think, given the fact that Paul Lambert got the job in January, I think that's plenty enough time to save us from being the first team relegated this season like a lot of people will will say that no we were relegated thanks to Mark Hughes and in part they're right 
But Paul Lambert had an opportunity to save us. And he had ample time. This isn't like he came in a, f- a few weeks ago mm. in, a, in a vain hope. And yeah. so... And with but, hindsight, sorry, Chris, yeah. and with hindsight, he didn't really need that many points to keep us up either. It wasn't no. like he was right up against it. Like, three more points and we're still in with a chance, you know. So mm-hmm. that's, um, that's I think his win percentage is the same as Chris Kamara now. They've both won one <laughs> in, in 14 games. So there you go. I want to stay with wow. this kind of subject of the fans, uh, Tom, because... Um, I read a thread on the Oatcake, which was called something like, Our Fans Have a Lack of Ambition. And it mentioned what Bunny was talking about there, the chance for Paul Lambert. and But kind of contrast those kind of Paul Lambert chants with a question we have from Ian. The vast majority of Stoke fans, certainly on social media, are not wanting Paul Lambert to stay on as manager. Is it fair to think that groups such as The Bear Pit TV, Wizards of Drivel, Stoke Loud and Proud and Duck Mag should make a campaign to reflect this popular opinion. Now, I first of all, I would definitely be massively uncomfortable with forming any kind of campaign that's not hashtag deploy and goy. And I, I'm not becoming an Arsenal tosser and forming a plane. But do you think the uh, oatcake post about the, the... There is perhaps a mentality that says, why... Why should we go out for a Graham Potter type? Why should we, you know, have really high expectations of the team? Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think I think there has been sort of an issue with a lack of ambition and just an acceptance that sort of we we were in the Premier League and some have looked at it as if it was sort of a stroke of luck and, and actually at the end of the day we spent sort of half of our history as a club in the top flight. So, but then again, yeah, I'm uncomfortable with any idea of sort of a campaign. I think we, as social media people connected with our various things, just sort of have to use that platform as something to open up discussion and debate. But yeah, I, I think the lack of ambition from the fans maybe probably hasn't like affected us in, in any way of sort of, I think Coates downplayed a lot of the, when, when the fans did turn initially, sort of late November, December, he sort of downplayed it a little bit and, and clearly wasn't that concerned and thought it was a bit knee-jerk. So I don't think the fans sort of being more ambitious and, and calling for Hughes's head earlier would have necessarily changed anything. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, a campaign is, uh, like I said before, I mean, I, I speak for myself, not the magazine. Um, and, you know, it's... You've got to be very, very careful when you do stuff like this. Um, not because you don't want to upset anybody, but because you don't want to take on the the mantle of speaking to other people when you really don't. Uh, you know, it's we've all got you know, more than a vested interest. You know, it's a massive part of our life, Stoke City. And uh, so, you know, down the line, we have to realise that you know, the great schemes of things, we don't make the decisions and we don't influence decisions in any way, shape, or form. We can have an opinion, but you know, I don't think if several supporter groups got together 
and had a campaign and whatever, it would make the slightest bit of difference. We're talking about people here who are, are with multi, multi millions of pounds and, and a far more business, you know, more acumen than we do. But it just doesn't sit well. I'm not, I don't, I'm never really ever going to go on Twitter or any message board and say, I want this manager sacks, please sign this petition or go fund me to you know raise money to for graham potter to swim over from ostersons and whatever and i know i know ian who did it and he's you know he's very well intentioned and he's a lovely bloke and he's you know he's done you know, he, did, he did that fantastic thing for that everton fan earlier in the year and i can understand where he's coming from it's you know when you're at your lowest dead people cry out in different ways don't they um like yesterday some people walked away from the ground some people have a swear some people want to you know shout Paul Lambert's barmy I mean that, and that's fine and that, and that, that's the great thing about football and life everybody is different but once you go down the route of you shall you know please, please back me up with this kind of campaign to to make somebody unemployed at the end of the day it's just hoping that the people in charge make the right decisions it's, that's all we can do as football fans yeah, and, and part of the issue as well that uh, although I'm probably in the Lambert out camp personally I also think he's a nice guy, and if I didn't do that for Mark Hughes, who I grew to really not like, then I don't really feel comfortable doing it for Paul Lambert either. Uh, I, I'll send a few drunken tweets out about him, but I won't, uh, I won't, you know, scream in his face or anything like that. Um, question here from uh, Rob Keeling, Chris. Given that Coach seems determined to stick with him, do you think Lambert will be more effective in the Championship? Will we see a notable change in playing style? I I don't see how we can see a change in playing style because um, I, I don't see any evidence to suggest that suddenly, just because we've dropped down in a division, things are gonna gonna change. I still think that Paul Lambert tactically is very conservative in his approach. I think that whilst um, we you can make an argument to say we are more defensively secure since he came in. I, I don't see any attacking impetus. Um, obviously, depending on the players that we get in, there is every possibility that, um, I don't know, he brings some more creative players in and somehow changes it and is more forward thinking. But I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see anything in his, in his tenures at, all different clubs to suggest that oh yeah suddenly he's going to revitalize the team and it's not like i don't know darren moore at, at, at west brom where it's like you can see real positive vibes in in the the dressing room again not to say that that players don't like playing for paul lambert but i just i i can't see what what would change over a summer for paul lambert to suddenly be like right now now we're going to go full throttle now we're going to play attacking football now we're going to really really go for it rather than score a goal and then sit back and play deep and isolate our strikers um i really i mean i really obviously hope that i'm wrong and hope that he does see it as an opportunity to try new things and try stuff with new players but i I just maybe maybe it's just me being negative and stuff, but I just it's don't see it. Style. Don't you have to have a style in the first place? <laughs> well, exactly. We, we've been beige for a very, you know, we've been any any colours, you know, any any forms of beige on a Dulux, you know, colour chart for for eighteen months, two years now, and you know, I actually wanted the, the last three or four months. I've actually, you know, all this about always taking over at a bad time. Well, 
Well, 99% managers take over at a really poor time. That's just how it works because people have done a poor job. You're, you're, you're in the mire and it's a bad time. Um, if, if we were doing really well, no, you know, um, no disrespect to Paul, but we want to be appointing Paul Lambert as manager. So, like you say, I, I'd have been quite happy for three months of absolute Tony Pulis style, um, you know, that, that kind of up and at him, getting red cards, or, you know, and at least a defined style. This is what we're going to do for the next four months and so. But all this about he's showed the defence up. We, we, I think Tom put a great point on the other week that, yeah, we aren't getting beat anymore by six or seven, but how many clean sheets have we had? You know, it's quite easy. The easiest thing in football management and coaching is to be defensive. That's the easiest thing to do. Anybody can do that. And I, I mean, any form of the game, from lads and dads, it's quite easy to put men behind the ball and players, like even Martin Keown said on yesterday, and that really galled me, but he pointed out how deep the midfielders are. The hard part about yeah. is football is scoring goals. Yeah. And that's what keeps you up and wins you things. And that, you know, we've had no discernible change in style, formation, or whatever to do that. That's it. And also, and and even if we were to go in the summer and get a striker, um, I, I don't see where goals are coming from because any striker who comes in this team is going to have to do it all themselves. They're going to, we, we we aren't, to quote uh, Three Lions and that, we're not creative enough, we're not, <laughs> etc. Et you know, we're not positive, yeah, so that was it, we're not positive enough. That's exactly us in a nutshell. We, we don't create, opportunities so it doesn't matter who we're going to stick up front i don't see how we're going to score the goals to win the games to take us up at the moment again i hope that i'm wrong i hope that we're in for months of massive change and i'm and that i come to august and i'm really looking forward to the new season Hmm. Yeah, this this question of like identity and style of play. I mean, I get a bit kind of nervous when I talk about Stoke having an identity because like yeah, we, we sometimes, like, under Tony Pulis, we played, like, Tony Pulis football. Under Mark Hughes, we played Mark Hughes football. And, you know, in my lifetime in particular, there hasn't been a Stoke way of playing like West Ham fan, fans think there's a West Ham way or anything like that. So it's it's different strokes for different folks, you know. So, so a lot of people will want the Tony Pulis stuff. A lot of people want us to try and go back to Stoke Alona. And Tom, I know you're a big false nine advocate, but uh, a question here from Torre Van Friest, I hope I've pronounced that right, on our Facebook page. Uh, which Stoke will we be in the championship? Back to hard-fought victories with a focus on defence, try to become a free-flowing attacking side or something else? I mean, I guess it depends on the manager, but first of all, do you, do you think that we could be a free-flowing attacking side in the championship and could it work I don't think there's any um, necessarily free flowing attacking sides in the championship aside from someone like Wolves who have got genuinely Champions League quality players in their team with a Champions League quality manager so I I suppose the one hope that I'd have is that for, for whatever reason probably fitness or something we we stopped playing the way we played against Huddersfield and that's what we'll go back to, that sort of high-intensity pressing where you could see that Lambert had clearly sort of set traps um, for, for the pressing because I think when you're talking about an identity, it can be something like West Ham who have this idea of how you should entirely play football. But I'd always say about Stoke fans that, that nothing is more appreciated by a Stoke fan than a tackle. 
So a high pressing thing would just get the ground going. And I think that's the only way you can do it in the championship now, unless you're getting a, a Warnock or a Pulis in who have that sort of long ball, direct football attitude. I think you've sort of got to accept that, that football's changed now and it's all about athleticism combined with quality in sort of a pressing style. So I'd hope and expect that that's what Lambert would look at installing if he can get that across because he hasn't been able to do it this season. Mm. Um, and we got a question from Ryan Williams as well, which was, would you rather we came straight back up but continued to be soulless like in the past two years or it take five years to come back but we get our identity and spirit back? I mean, the idea that we could go straight back up and be as soulless as we are now is quite interesting. I'd I'd, I'd be amazed to see us win the division playing how we are now. But I, I do kind of get where they're coming from. The, the essentially, I think, Ryan, I, I think you're trying to say, like, uh, if we get everyone back on side, what league would we rather be in? Would we rather, you know, plod on by in the Premier League as we are now? Or get everyone, get the sense we're all pulling in the same direction, albeit in the Championship? I don't know what you think about that, Chris. I I kind of think that whilst it's a, a lovely lovely idea to have a fan base all united and everything, I think that it's very much a, a rose tinted view of what was a very very special period from promotion in the first few years up. Like I think generally, if you look at football clubs up and down the country, more often than not, you'll have divides in the fan base. Fan A thinks whatever players awesome. Fan B thinks same player is shit. Like I think no matter what club you go to like i know chef wednesday fans who like will think that atty new who is brilliant he scored a hat trick today and the guys behind them uh i think he's the worst thing ever it's you have it up and down the country so as much as i would i would love a united fan base I think the only way you're going to get that is through success. And like you, Dave, I don't see a situation where this team could come back up but be a soul, a soulless and as rubbish as it's been for the last season and a bit. Um, we Things would have to change. And with, with success and a good playing style breeds its own culture and own philosophies. And I, I don't think you can get promoted from the championship by mistake and by being rubbish. So... No, I think success breeds pulling together. And so in that respect, I think the only way to get a united fan base is by being I think, I think good and actually going for identity things. Identity is kind of a, a real red herring because there's not many teams even world football who've got their own identity because things change. Uh, managers change, you know, and the, you know how they play change. All, all I want, and, and this can encompass a number of different ways of playing, is a team that plays on the front foot. Um, we saw it, like Tom says, in the, the, Huddersfield, uh, the Huddersfield game, and then a week or so later, we play Watford at home the night match, and we literally sat back. And that's in the space of seven days. So, kind of, the, the, Paul Lambert had the chance to stamp his, 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 his identity in a way on the team, and yet since that Huddersfield game, we've not pressed. We do, we're we certainly not pressed as a team, and like I say, we've gone deeper and deeper and deeper as the seasons pro, you know, progressed. And the midfield two, central midfield two, have got deeper, deeper, and deeper. And um, actually, any identity we, we thought we got from the Huddersfield game, you know, we've not played like, like that at all. Um, and even in the Huddersfield, 
first 60 minutes we were brilliant, but like I say, I mean, you know, it's not identity, it's just playing on the front foot. When you know, when the other team's got the ball, go and try winning it back, and we've got the ball, try, you know, try to commit a few more players forward than we do at present. You know, it'd be great if we could have a year when we played like Stoke Alona, those couple of months, then crack your mighty, you know. And Wolves have done well to play like that all season, but you know, we've we like you say, we're not going to get promoted next year. We're playing soulless football. You, you just don't get out of the championship. Wolves have got a backbone. I don't care what people say. They play some, they've got some great players there, of course, but they've got a backbone as well. Connor Cody's probably been their best player this season. Um, and like I say, I think too many Stoke fans get hung up on this identity purely because we had Tony Pulis at, at the club so long. That, because Tony was one of the few managers who has got a real identity of how he plays. Whereas if you say the likes of Ball, well, maybe not Ball, but the, the teams who change managers, like the likes of Palace, West Brom, etc., they've not had an identity. West Brom's last identity was when Ardiles and and was in charge, and it was like fifty passes across the back four, then you know Stino and Nicky Tuffle and scored. So <laughs> let's get up on about identity. Let's just get let's get a team who plays on the front foot. Uh, well, West Brom fans have thought they've had an identity for a while, even if they didn't, like uh, Tony Mowbray's West Brazil with Albion and things like that. But uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. A question from Michelle Worgan on Facebook. Question for Bunny. You seem fairly positive in your recent articles. What, if any, positives can you take from our season or the last four months? And what changes would you like to see implemented in the club? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an individual of contradictions. People who know me and have had a couple of beer, <laughs> my life and soul, whereas when <laughs> I think she's confused positive with regards to kind of like droning on about my old man and how much it was better in the old days. Um, <laughs> I always that I kind of like default settings kind of go back to at the end of the day, we've got a football club, it's a decent football club to support. And I think that's always going to be my default setting. As we go on to the future, I mean, I think. The current manager is going to be the manager next year. Um, like I say, it'd be very interesting to see with regards to where we are in the league come October, November, and if we're not up there, how crowds will how crowds will be. Not just how many go through the turnstiles. You know, what's the general feeling amongst the crowd? Um, you know, it's. It, I just think we've. I mean, Angela Smith said we've been sleepwalking for, for two years. Every time I've met up before, he's telling the match. She's been saying it for two years. She's right, and you know, we, made, we just made so many mistakes. We just can't. The future is not making mistakes at every level. I mean, the, the, we went down for well. I think Tom put as well. Southampton last year away was one of the worst wins we've ever had. That was that, that was a win. What put us up two or three places in the table and actually showed us actually having an half decent season when it was garbage. And the rest of the media and the, you know, everyone else is saying, oh, what's up with Stoke fans? You know, you finished 13 for whatever. We, were, we stumped the league out last year and we were literally losing at home to Hull when it was won all away from a real relegation battle last year. Um, so, as if you just stop making mistakes, just stop, buy some strikers at any level of the game. No matter if it's lads and dads or whatever. I know when I was a manager of lads and dads, every year you'd look at try poaching a striker in from like, I don't know, Kidsgrove Raven under sevens or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Town Stafford Rangers, Port Vale, buy strikers. <laughs> we bought two or three in the last three or four years. And all this about, you know, Lambert knew what we were we wanted when he came in. Well, from the interview process to, to the end of the transfer window is best part of three weeks. And I'll just chuck a few names out. Ujoa, Afobi, Slomani, Ayu, Mitrovic, Harry Wilson, who plays wide right, but's done a really good job 
uh, Hull, Graben, the likes of those are, are better than anything we've got up front. Add to the likes of Dallafeu, Lennon, Diabati, Pritchard, Kennedy. They all came in the last two weeks. And, you know, add that to Arnie going and not replacing your best attacking player or, you know, obviously up there with Shaq. And I can't believe anybody is surprised locally or nationally that we've gone down. It's astounding that people are surprised. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ricardo Fuller and Peter Herkstra were being interviewed by the side of the pitch before before the game. He thought, bloody hell, like, get them on now because it's just, it was just gut wrench. Well, it wasn't gut wrenching. It was just, dep- it was just more depressing, really, watching Juif kind of throw himself into challenges up front on his own. When, and what I mean. I, it's kind of pointless now complaining about individual managerial decisions, but the crouch sub made no sense to me at all. I had no idea what was going on there. Right, I'm stood in Sleaford, and I've got me me young lad with me. We're at, we've got somebody's phone with Sky Go on, and we're watching it with the coaches and the lads. And you know, we knew we were one nil up at half time, and we put it on, and we just literally watched second half. And they they battered us, to be honest. And I'm thinking, last 10, 15 minutes, we're going to chuck something at him here. But there was nothing to chuck. You know, I felt sorry for Tyrese again. It was simply astounding, the substitution. It was literally as it was. I can't think of any other word for it. Um, and uh, like I say, we ended the game. You know, well, we started the game yesterday with a forward line that totaled 67 in age, you know, in years. And people say we didn't deserve to go down. Wow. And I, I, I think one of the things that, like, just saying this now, what makes me makes me worried is that we're saying this season we needed to get a striker in. Next season we need a squad to do it because the championship takes its toll on you. We are you are playing two games a week. You need to rotate, so we're not just going to need to get one striker for this team. We're going to need to get squad players. We're going to need to do some serious investing over the summer. Um, oh, and the transfer window shuts the day before the season starts, so we're going to have to get it done early to get this team bedded together to put on a real uh, show of force for the championship. Yeah, Tom, uh, how do you see that, that transfer window looking then? Because like, it's it's impossible to know exactly who will be here, but we, we know some who definitely won't. I mean, after your obvious one, Shakiri Allen-Butland... Like, is there anyone of a decent enough quality that you can see staying? I think that the one hope is that the starting back four that we have, Bauer, Shawcross, Martins, Indian, Peters, will stick around because that, that, like Chris says, we do need to sign sort of two players in every other position. So having that, that base of people who know the club are the club if you're Ryan Shawcross. Um, and you have that and you don't have to necessarily worry about that too much and you can look at other areas. But I'm just petrified, I think I've said it on here before, that we aren't going to do it sort of how a Newcastle did, which was splash the money and then worry about making up for it with, with the selling players. I'm genuinely concerned that we're sort of going to push deals for, for selling our players, selling Shakiri, Allens, Butlands, uh, till the last minute to try and drag out that money. And then we're only going to spend once we've got that. So suddenly we're getting loans in or free transfers in. The only thing I'd say against that, playing devil's advocate, is that uh, the fans' council meeting notes from the last one, where 
there was acknowledgement that there's been significant failures and there's failures in sort of every department of the side. Now, hopefully that isn't just sort of spin to keep the fans on board for sort of these these last two games that were so important. Um, and is actually the the club looking at how they've operated over the sort of the last two years where they have sleepwalked into relegation and are actually going to take action and, and sort it out, basically. Yeah, I think you look. There's a great point about Newcastle. I think you've got to look at the teams who went up last year and also this year uh, from the Championship. You know, particularly with Newcastle, they had Rafa Benitez. Put put Rafa Benitez in charge of Stoke City, and we're not having this conversation tonight. Uh, you, you know, you're only as good as your manager, never mind your players. And then, you know, <laughs> a really good manager turns average players into better players, and that's what you know, the last the, the last few years in the Championship they do. And you know, <laughs> can can Paul Lambert do that with you know we're not going to be signing you know off the top shelf you're going to be picking any prize off the bottom shelf can he turn those players like Tony Pulis said you know you got you know in fairness can he can he can he mould a team and turn players like Liam Lawrence into six and a half seven out of ten players into eight and a half out of ten players which you know Richard Creswell who did an amazing job for us you know Dicko Wilco etc they'll say themselves not the best footballers in the world but you know he added value to those players, and I'm not Tony's biggest fan, but that's the the likes of you know Wolves boss, the likes of Huddersfield's boss last year, the likes of uh, Neil Warnock's done this year. Look, I mean, watch Cardiff today; they're absolute crap, they're absolute garbage. Seriously, Christ Almighty! You know, I'm actually not. I, I was worried we'd do a Sunderland, and now I'm looking at Cardiff, and if that's all it takes, get second. But he's he's bought a team, moulded it, and added value to each each position. And as Tom said, we we need. We're going to need a couple of players in virtually all positions, and like yesterday, the big one for me as well is, is I mean, Meritz Bauer, who's, who's shown glimpses of, of real talent, and I think people are going a little bit overboard with him. To be honest, I don't, you know, he's he's not the saviour, um, but he's a really good player, and <laughs> he's only been here a few weeks, and he's found out then Stoke we play players on left wing when they don't know where they're not even left footed. So, and yesterday, best player. Plays wide left, so let's stick our oldest defender on a books against him. Yeah, Tom, <laughs> to me, Tom Edwards plays right back, and Meritz can play right midfield. Job done. Mm-hmm. And but, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I, the, the championship I, is such a, it is a tough league, but it's just a you know it's such a varied league as well. You know, they're going to have to roll the sleeves up some games. They're going to play the likes of teams who've, got, who've spent a little bit of money as well. We're going to, you know, we, we won't be a big fish with regards to size of city or club. We're a club who's come down from the Premier League, so everybody's going to get out, you know, want a piece of us. And we've proved over the last three years how brilliant we are against lower league teams in the, in the Cup. So <laughs> I, 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 don't know, I don't know what to make of next season. It's quite exciting, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we we are in a complete kind of uh, no no man's land, really. We have no idea what to expect, really. Um, a question from Marcus: Being a Blackpool-based Stokey, I'm blessed with Preston, Blackburn, Wigan, etc. Uh, what games are you looking forward to next season? And and it, are you, are you kind of uh, consoling yourself with the potential for some uh, better away days next season? Not if they cost us like sixty quid a ticket. But um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's great. Um, I'm probably looking forward to Villa Park. I'm quite glad I'm moving back up north from Brighton, seeing as there's no South Coast teams in the Championship anymore. Um, no, I don't know. I, I don't think 
I'm excited for away days, but away days anywhere are good fun with Stoke fans. So I, I don't know. I don't think it's that much of a thing I'm looking for. I'll go the other way. I can't wait to be honest. Um, I've, I mean, we do about well. I personally do about a third of the aways. Leaders a third of the aways, and through one thing and another. But I mean, Bristol. I'm, I'm really give up to Bristol. Cause I'm, I've always thought Bristol's one of the most underrated cities in the country. Uh, I might even take the missus and kids down. No, I'm not actually no. Uh, <laughs> Eads is a great city. Nottingham's a great city. Uh, you know, not, we've had we had the best night out ever. There's a whole show on Norwich away with Wolfie ended up with a broken nose and a smashed phone, and an argument with his missus and whatever. And uh, that that was one of the best nights we've ever had away from home. And you know, you know, you, you temper that with the thought that you know, hopefully the away travel is going to stay free. I don't know, but. Like I say, ticket prices, the likes of Leeds. I think Smudge said on Radio Stoke yesterday only six clubs are over the £30 mark. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping that's true, to be honest. And uh, But, the, you know, I wish I was bored of the Premier League, but it would have been nice to have stayed in the Premier League and have the likes of Bristol and Leeds coming up, to be honest. But it's, 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 it's a league of great cities. It really is. And, and, you know, and clubs who are punching below the weight, and now you're adding us to that. So, like I say, I'm dead excited in a way, and I'm intrigued to how it's gonna how it's gonna go. But I mean, if I was a betting man, I wouldn't. Unless major major changes are, and you know enough people you know inside the squad, then I just can't see us being in the top ten next year. Yeah, Chris, I'm a I'm looking forward to appearing on your doorstep, drunk, when we play Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield United. Um, <laughs> and yeah, yeah part, you, part, party at my house, everyone. Brilliant, and yeah, like I'm a I'm a near Blackpool based Stokey as well. So obviously, uh, Preston not getting to the playoffs today was good news for me. As as miserable as kind of the area around Deepdale is to go to, it's still you know your your local away days are great and stuff. So yeah, I'm I am weirdly looking forward to it. I'd like there's been like there's been talk ranging from we could do a Sunderland to you know what, mm. we could bounce straight back up. And I don't, I'm not mm. at either end of that spectrum. I think um, right now, if even if we keep Lambert, I think we'll, or even if we appoint someone else, I think we need that much surgery. We'll probably finish about mid-table. Um, maybe if we appoint someone, or, or maybe if Lambert proves us all wrong, then we can push for the playoffs. But right now, it's hard to see... It's hard to see either of the extremes. I think the thing to look forward to, though, next season is that we've got something to aim for. And that, obviously, you know, we were aiming for top uh, top half finishes and stuff, but we're aiming to win a league. That's got to be our aim. And that's exciting in itself that we've got, we've got a summer of unknown possibilities to assemble an unknown team that's got a challenge to win a league like that's that's exciting in amongst that we've got some exciting young players who will definitely get game time next season we will definitely see uh, as much as like Bauer and Shawcross Martins Indy and Peters it will be a, an established bat line we've got Josh Tymon coming back Tom Edwards will be there we've it is exciting that there are going to be players who will get game time, who we've been shouting out for ages. Oh, I just want to see some of the, some of the young players get come through. That's exciting, um, and I I'm excited about the fact that yeah, I just have no idea what to expect. Um, at, at the at current 
<laughs> at my current state, I don't think we'll do a Sunderland. Um, I think we need to do some major surgery through the summer to even think about challenging playoffs and uh, for a title or for automatic promotion. But I, I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility that the board look at themselves in the mirror and put together a decent enough squad to take this on. Because as negative as we've been, there are some very talented players in this squad who will stay. And whilst we will say goodbye to the likes of Shakiri and Joe Allen and Jack Botland, I do think that we, we, we've got some good players. And there's, again, there's every possibility where you can do something. And that's that's got to be exciting in some respect. That we've I think got you're right, mate. I think, I think as a city yeah. as well, we've got to stop saying, hold on, we, you know, we'll settle for second best here. Um, I've always said part of the, the weakness of Stoke, people from Stoke is part of a strength. We you know we can laugh at ourselves and we put ourselves down. Well, you know, it's about time now we actually, you know, took the chin in a little bit and, and started punching above our weight. You know, look for players who, you know, will excite. Maybe and if you're going to look for a new manager, don't go down the, you know, you know, British manager who whose looks you would put on the headboard or to keep cow singers away at Christmas on your front door. Go for somebody that's a little bit more fancy. You know, you know, little, you know. Since I've been born, we've had as a city. You know, we're, we're a downtrodden city, and you know, there's loads of creative stuff going in this city. And I think I don't want to go overboard and say oh, everything's rosy. Of course, it isn't. It's been crap for two years, but that doesn't mean it has to be crap in the future. And I think as a, as a support and as and as a club, we need to start. Gain a head out of the sand a little yep. bit. Maybe not the support, but certainly as a club, and thinking, hold yep. on, we are a viable option. People were saying when we got rid of Hughes, who's going to come to us? Yeah, who's going to come to us on a seven figure salary to one of the best clubs in the Premier League with an outstanding support, a chairman who, you know, is a local man who's mega rich, etc. We are a very, very attractive proposition as a football club, and we still will be next year. And that's why we can attract some big names, the likes of Shakiri coming to us, you know, and Joe Allen and, and the people you've said. So, you know, make, no, I said yesterday, I'm fed up with calls. If I'm going to make one rallying call, it is to the club and everybody. Just actually, let's just think that we're actually better than, you know, or we're as good as we are. We are good. We have a great city. And it's about time we started bloody shouting about it. And the same as a football club as well. Stop thinking, oh, God, we'll settle for, you know, a dour manager or a dour player or a team who <laughs> likes a tap. That's bloody look at Wolves, what Wolves have done. It's bloody, you know, Wolverhampton Wanderers, for God's sake. Let's look to emulate that. Not let's look to emulate, you know, a, a mid-table dower. Let's stabilise. No, let's dream because football's about dreaming, lads, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You kind of add to that as well, like, I I think I misjudged how much Jack Butland cared about that club, because I saw the, kind of the state of him at full time, and you, you do think, like, you can just assume that all these footballers are mercenaries, and they're just in it for the salary or whatever, and a lot of them are, a lot of them are Batman cap wearing dickheads, but we've had, we've assigned talented players in the past, and the club has got under their skin, we're not all that bad really. We we're, we're the club of Matthews and Gordon Banks, and we've we've signed Shakiri Bojan and Alvich, and look how much Bojan loved playing for us. Look how much gutted look how gutted Shakiri was at full time. You know, it's it's not just that we we can attract people, but we can also make players like that love it here as well. So we, I mean, it's it's all well and good saying you know uh, Shakiri loves it here when he's obviously on his way out, but you know. 
we we should be able to to market ourselves as a well-run club that okay we've gone down and okay perhaps the manager isn't the most appealing to a player but there there is a lot to like about us and on that note um a question from John Dykes is uh, can we take a few minutes to celebrate 10 years in the top flight it's an incredible achievement if you look where Stoke were in the late 90s would like to hear your best and worst moments from the past decade so I know that this conversation could be an hour's chat in itself and I don't want to keep you here all night but um I think we'll do that as a separate episode looking back at our best moments or whatever so if we could have like either one game or one memory from each of you for just that your personal highlight of our last 10 years that that win at Everton that 4-3 because that was just just exciting and I love Liverpool as a place and it was just an absolutely great day and was just after all the false nine stuff and was just filled with beautiful lovely things like Yossalu hugging the ref or Arnie slipping over as he takes a penalty and runs up to us in the corner. It was just, oh, just hasn't been topped. Gosh, um, there are so, so many memories. Um, I'm going to have to say, like, Stoke against Hadjuk Split in the Europa League, simply because they were a team that I knew. And it's like, we're in Europe. What's going on here? Like... That that whole European campaign was ah, something of, of magic. So your highlight from our Premier League Premier League years is our Europa League well, run. <laughs> well, no, okay. So well, if you want a okay a it's Premier right. League highlight, I'll just, I'll give you a Premier just, League. I'm just being an ass, Chris. It's all right. I know you are. I know you are. But I don't appreciate it, Dave. It's been a long day, and no one no one's happy. But I mean, an, an, a genuinely like a Premier League moment for me is. Um, when we finally got that win over United mm. and like that's Charlie Adams best moment for me in a Stoke shirt because that was something else that game the the, the sense of euphoria at full time when we won 2-1 uh, uh, that was magic for me the thing two, I'll have two um, <laughs> uh, last, last week taking my lad to his first away was ace uh, but the big one for me was how time stood still as the ball came off Mamas Sadibi's neck and <laughs> Oh. And, and the ball came. We were block twenty-three before I had kids and yeah and whatever. Yeah, but when I was happy, um, it, the ball it just looped towards us. And I always remember, I think it was Stephen Warnock played left left back for Villa that day, and he could quite easily, if you watch the replay, he headed it off the line, and he just let it go. And I've always loved Stephen Warnock for that. And, and, and it was just the slowness how it went in, and then the mental after. And I remember, and this is God, I was. The, our row had no one left in it apart from me, my old man and my mate, Brad. No one. They'd all gone for some reason, typical Stoke. They'd gone. First ever Premier League game. They'd all sodded off at two. So we had the whole row to have a mental in. And it was just brilliant. It was, it, like I say, it was, I, I could actually see us that season not getting a point for some reason. After we lost at Bolton, I could just think, we're going to do worse than Dom. In fact, we're not going to get a point. And then to win the next game... Liam Lawrence pointing at his, you know, the badge, Premier League badge on his sleeve. You know, Ricardo Follow, who's God for me, will, you know, his, his, you know, his goal is, and then the mama who's the nicest lad you could ever wish to meet. And just the, wow. And that was the start of that, obviously that period of kicking sand and faces, which was great. But yeah, first Premier League points for me would be the, the big one. Oh God. Uh, you, you've left me with a literal whole host of, 
options now that could be it could be a part of a five hour long special Man City two 0 Liverpool six one the Peter Crouch goal. Um, but I think it's. I mean, in terms of game, I've enjoyed the most. It was probably the Liverpool six one because. You just look at the scoreboard and it says Stoke City 5, Liverpool 0 at half-time. And you just think, what the hell is going on? I know it was, you know, last game of the season and weird things happened. But I, I grew up at school and everyone supported Man United at Liverpool. And I was the only Stoke fan. And I remember being at school the day we lost 8-0 to Liverpool in the League Cup. And to not only beat them, but beat them 6-1 was just absolutely crazy. But in terms of just favourite moment, Olafinjana falling on top of the ball against Arsenal, scoring the greatest goal of all time. And I think we had to get an Arsenal win in this chat as well. So uh, everything about Rory Delap's throw-ins and... Oh, yeah, yeah, we had some good times. Um, I think that's going to be it from the Wizards of Drivel podcast before we all uh, get up to dewy-eyed and nostalgic about this league that we've only left yesterday, so... Uh, it's worth reminding ourselves as well there is a crap league full of tossers and we hate them um, so uh, thank you very much to uh, Bunny from Duck Mag How's your mate? Uh, do you want to tell people to buy the magazine while you're here uh, yeah I can do that cheers um, <laughs> seems we haven't got another one out now no, we got to come in can you turn that off <laughs> cheers all right, car's filthy as well. Need something to do. Um, and yeah, we, we well we, we just done the the, the ninety two ninety three one, which is literally we've got six or seven left. Biggest print one we've ever done, and and not be funny, you know, it's it's a great great season, and we we took a quid off the cover price. It was always going to be a decent sale. That's that's sold out. But next we've got a free digital one coming up where you've got a piece on lads, haven't you, from the Wizards, and it's a national. So we've got yeah. pieces about West Brom, crikey, uh, uh, ladies football. We got it's just tons. It's absolutely tons and tons. Uh, that's a free mag. We can get emailed out, and then we kick in again. Probably selling it outside the away end at Rill in July yeah. uh, with a pre-season issue. But like I say, it's dead exciting, isn't it? So uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to to next season because we'll still be here, won't we? Don't matter what league we are, we'll still be here and moaning and. Uh, Thanks for having me on, lads. Anyway, and I'll uh, I'll see you on Twitter in a few minutes. <laughs> right, no pro- no problem at all, mate. Thank you very on. much. Okay, uh, thank you very much, Chris. Thank you very much, Dave. Thanks, Tom. See you all in real. Go on, Stoke. I enjoyed that.